King's kids, if you are in second grade on down, or even close, because we don't have a high, high amount of kids today. If you want to go to King's kids, you're dismissed. All right. Oh, he just wants to be with his grandma. Just keep him with you. Come on. <laughs> they, they, I know they want to go. She said, I, I know they want to go. All right, all right. Our scripture reading this morning is Psalm 23, so open to, to Psalm 23. McKenna is our reader. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Give me some feedback here, folks. What do you think makes that psalm special? Why do we, so many people like that? Especially if you judge by Hobby Lobby. They've got it on all kinds of stuff. Uh, what do you think? What do you think? Why do people like Psalm 23? What about that? Do you like? Any thoughts? God's love describes God's love for us. What's comforting about it? God is always there, no matter what. Anybody else? Psalm 23, why do you like it? Fear no evil. That's bold. I like that boldness. But it doesn't come off as cocky. There's no arrogance in that psalm. What? Confidence. But, but calm, steady confidence. Does the writer of that psalm talk about themselves much? No, not really. In your everyday life, you, you know, you have to eat, sleep, feed yourself, take care of yourself. But that doesn't mean your life needs to be about you. Psalm 23 is deep. Because it's the person writing it is deep. He's up to here in God. And that's not an accident. Nobody accidentally lives a spiritual life. Nobody naturally lives a spiritual life. Today we are going to talk about what drives David. What makes him tick? Why does he get up in the morning? What crosses his mind? And Let me start with you. Why do you get up in the morning? 
you're retired, don't tell us you don't have to. That's just embarrassing. We don't want to hear about your good pleasure. For those of you who need an alarm clock to wake up, what, what, what gets you out of bed? Work. work. That's like the universal. If it's not work, it's school. school. There you go. Work, school. Let me, let me scratch the surface on that. Don't get a little bit deeper. Education, come on. You're one of those you could eat breakfast all day, every day. Oh, she's a, mm, she gave me that, yeah. She gets up because she's going to eat. Right, right, That's, those are good. Because somebody else needs me. If it were up to me, there wouldn't be an alarm clock. Yeah, somebody's depending on me, Right. That's work, that's school. School's a little bit more of an obligation. You know, if you're going to be really spiritual about it, it's because I'm honoring my father and mother. They're the ones that want me to go to school. It has nothing to do with me. It's not my desire, but it... So you're... So, and here's what I want you to see. Many, many of the things that you do, if we'll stop and think about it, there's a deeper desire or a drive underneath that. Because it's not that you want to go to school... But maybe you like learning. Maybe it's education. And maybe you don't want to go to school and you don't even like education. You're doing it because your mom said so. Okay, that's respectable. Why does your mom say so? She knows what's best for you. Why is that best for you? She doesn't want you to be dumb. Okay, well, why is it not a good thing to be dumb? Because we like food. And to get the right kind of food, we need money. And to get money, we need to work. And to work, we need to please other people. But even when we say we're working to please other people, why are we working? We're working to get the money. Most of which bills we have brought into our own lives. So the drive behind most of what we do is ourselves. Pleasing, feeding, clothing, sheltering ourselves and that's where babies are infuriating because you think you're a spiritual person then you have a baby and you realize my life belongs to somebody else now that's that's rough i mean that's that's real because you're not on the throne anymore nursing mothers dad's getting up at wee hours with babies you're not on you're Somebody else is in charge of you. As we look at David, I want you to, to understand that this guy has lived life like you. He's been the little brother in his family and had to do the chores nobody else wanted to do. He's had to go to synagogue because his parents made him. He's had, to, he's had to work. He's had to go to school. He's had to, he's had to be a human. And yet, over the course of his life, he turns in to a spiritual person. But it wasn't an accident. And I don't know when exactly it happened. We don't have the details on that. We just know it happened. And he's following God. This is a deep question, what drives us. We need to... We need to examine our own heart for the answers, and we need to spend time praying to God with this question. God, what do you think drives me? 
God, if I asked everybody else in the world what they think gets me up in the morning, what would they say? They're probably going to be a little closer to the truth than you are. Sometimes when you talk about yourself, you leave out the worst parts. And sometimes you have blind spots and you don't even realize what you are living for that everybody else can say that. Really? But I love this. I don't want it to look like that. Sorry. And in the Psalms, David's body of work, David didn't write all of the Psalms, but boy did he influence just about all of them. In the Psalms, David asks for grace, he asks for mercy, he asks for truth. David asks for forgiveness, for healing, for deliverance, for revenge. David asks for God to be his refuge. David even asks for wisdom. But just like you and me, there's a deeper thing going on here. And the deeper thing is what really drives David. It's why David ran headlong at a giant. Certain death. At least that's what everybody else thought. This drive in David's life is, is also why not only did he kill Goliath, but then he did not kill a wicked king who was trying to kill him. David said, I come to you, Goliath, in the name of the living God. And David says of King Saul, I will not lift my hand against the Lord's anointed. David has a deep respect for God's honor, God's decisions, and God's words. What drives David? Write this down. The desire of David's heart is to live with God's presence daily. David wants to be with God. He doesn't see God as far and distant that he needs to pursue. Like he's living for God. He doesn't see God as oppressive and legalistic or strict like he's living under God. And there are a lot of different prepositions we could throw in there. The one I like is with. He sees his life with God. His helper. He uses that phrase a lot. His refuge. His mighty fortress. Strong tower. All these ideas of God covering him. Swallowing him up. And like only God can do and keeping him safe. God's presence. Life with God's presence. If you go any deeper than that, all I can say is David loves God. It's, it's a love relationship. And that's when things get messy. <laughs> that's when things kind of, they're sweet, they're warm, and they're fuzzy, but they kind of go off the rails. People who are in love, like, lose their minds. They do things that nobody else can understand. 
They, they, they treat the one they love in ways that nobody else gets. That's what it means to be in love, to lose yourself in another, with another. And, and your life revolves around them. Yeah, that's the point. David is in love with God. It's not creepy. It's not sexual. It's not odd. It's pure. It's the way we should learn to love one another. It's, it's the example of the way God wants all of us to love Him. It's an undefiled love. It's a, it's a clean love. And it's motivated by God's presence. David's love for God creates within him a drive to have God's presence with him at all times. So I think this is a fitting summary of David. Life with God. If I could summarize all of David's life into those three words, I think, I think that would capture it. Life with God. He could have been arrogant and said, I'm the king now, I have received this kingship from God, and now I can do whatever I want, because I'm the king, and he's going to have the biggest belt buckle, he's going to have the best boots, he's just going to rule and reign, because he's the man God said I was. And he could have said that. He could have lived his life from God, but he, he doesn't abuse it. Well, actually he does. And when he does, God comes after him, and he has to come back to God and confess, and repent. He lives life with God. Fill in some of these blanks. Listen to this. David uses the word presence eight times. That's the first word, presence. In the Psalms, David uses the word face 26 times. And, and th these are references directly about God. He's not talking about his own face. He does talk about that. These are references of God's face. David uses the word before 50 times. Before the Lord. Before the Lord's countenance. All in ref 50 times just in reference to God. And the word eyes 43 times. Referring to God's eyes, God's vision, God's sight, God knowing, God seeing. I was using an old school concordance. It's this book. It's got every word of the Bible and tells you everywhere every word in the Bible is used. You can just Google it today, but I'm old. So I have a book because I can cover a lot. It's actually better than online because I can do this to it and be like, I can go through the information a lot faster. So I was, I was going through the concordance, looking where David used these words in reference to God. And then I made the mistake of Looking up with, in, near, through, visited, refuge. David himself authored 75 psalms. Now there are 150 psalms. So he's got half of them with his name. Then there are a boatload that are anonymous, and they sure sound like David. And then he's got the sons of Korah and a guy named Asaph, who, by the way, worked for him. So he has directly influenced their psalms. 
He's got his hand on just about every psalm. He has left a strong impression. These numbers only on the psalms that are directly attributed to David. You got that? And then I stopped counting. Because I turned to with and it's like, are you kidding me? With the Lord, with his presence, with his hand, with his loving kindness, with, with, with God, with God, with God, in God, in God, through God, through God. God is my refuge, refuge of hope. God, this. it was just, it was too many. I just gave up. I'm sorry. I didn't want to. I know you're like nerding out over there. Like I just stopped counting. Even I couldn't handle it. Way more than 150 references. In other words, more than in every psalm, more than once in every psalm, David makes some kind of remark about God being with him, about God's presence seeing him, and God sustaining him. This is amazing to me. I stopped counting. Other words David uses, dwell, look, see, gaze, watch, observe. David is addicted to God's presence because he knows if he has that, he has everything he needs. He talks about God as if God is here. He does talk about God being high and exalted and the Holy One and ruler of creation and maker of all things. He does that and he gives God his props and he should. But man, he cannot help but bring that God down and act like he is in God's pocket. Mm. He covers me in the shelter of his wings. He's before me. He's behind me. He's beside me. He's over me. He's in me. He's through me. He's with me. He's with me. He's with me. He sees me. He hears me. He comforts me. His hand, his eyes, his head, his face, all of God, everything I can think of, every way I can describe it, David, over and over again, he makes, makes God seem real. I want my life to be like that. We need a heart like that. David has got it going on. I have typed out, false statement, I have copied and pasted a lot of psalms. And I'm going to read to you some sentences from a bunch of different psalms, not in any particular order. I did kind of scramble them up a little bit so I didn't get the same emphasis in every psalm. They're not in your bulletin. I don't want you to look at the screen. I don't want you to look at your Bible. Can you imagine? Don't look at your Bible at church. I want you to sit there for just a second and focus on the words that I'm speaking that are from David, that David is speaking, and they're going to paint some pictures in your mind about who God is. If it helps you to close your eyes, do that. But really just listen and hear how near David expects God to be. Even if this isn't true for you, I want you to put yourself in David's shoes or sandals and just try to, try to wrap your head around this guy believing this stuff is true. 
Listen. Psalm 16, 11. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 4, 6. Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. Psalm 31, 2. Incline your ear to me, Lord, and rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. Psalm 17, 2. From your presence, let my vindication come, and let your eyes behold the right. Psalm 51, 11. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Psalm 32, 7. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts the Lord. Psalm 140, 13. Surely the righteous shall give thanks to your name. The upright shall dwell in your presence. Psalm 95, 6. Oh, come and let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our God, our maker. Psalm 33, 18. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love. Psalm 56, 13. For you have delivered my soul from death, yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. Psalm 141, 8. But my eyes are toward you, O God, my Lord. In you I seek refuge. Leave me not defenseless. Psalm 31, 16. Make your face shine on your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. Psalm 41, 12. But you have upheld me because of my integrity and set me in your presence forevermore. Psalm 17, 15. As for me, I shall behold your face in righteousness. When I awake, I shall be satisfied with your likeness. Psalm 24, verses 5 and 6. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Psalm 31, 19 and 20. How abundant is your goodness which you have stored up for those who fear you and worked for those who take refuge in you in the sight of the children of mankind in the cover of your presence. You hide them. We could read Psalms out loud publicly for weeks. And it's all going to say that. Different emotions, different expressions. And these are just from the Psalms that are directly attributed to David. Dozens more references are found in the anonymous Psalms and with his contemporaries. David rubbed off on everybody he was around. Now turn to Psalm 27. Open your Bible to Psalm 27. They're all good. Titus picked one. It was close to Psalm 23, so I ran with it. Before I read, look for these words. Write them down and be on the lookout for them. Dwell, gaze, face, look, 
Just a few of the words that convince me David is addicted to God's presence. God has got all the answers. David's not asking for answers. He's asking for God. Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war rise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. Time out. David does not have a temple. He's not talking about a building. He doesn't have one. There isn't one. God won't let him build one. The temple will not be built till he's dead and buried and his son does it. He's not talking about a physical building. He's talking about dwelling in the house of the Lord which is invisible. The same presence of God that his father Abraham was looking for. A city whose builder and maker is God, not made with human hands. God is David's pursuit. Verse 5. He will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. <laughs> my heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek? God, I'm trying. I'm trying. Hide not your face. Turn me not away in anger. O oh, you who have been my help, cast me not off, forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord, the Lord will take me in. He always will. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, her false witnesses have ri risen against me and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Now. So wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. That's good stuff. I cannot stop seeing how addicted David is to God's presence. It is the drive of his life, and it is the great teaching of the book of Psalms. All of life can be considered a pursuit for wisdom, but we are not pursuing wisdom for the sake of knowing how to live. We are pursuing God so He can tell us how to live. It requires a great shift in our thinking. A shift from being religious and knowing what to do 
to being spiritual, being God's children, and doing what He wants us to do. Do you think God likes the way David talks? I don't think He likes it. God loves David. It is God who calls David a man after my own heart. Nobody else said that about David. David didn't have to say that about himself. God, before David wrote a single psalm, before David was anointed as king, when he was just a young shepherd boy, doing what he was supposed to do, being a good boy, <laughs> and he wasn't perfect, God said, you look on the outward man, tall, handsome, good warrior, King Saul. And God says to the prophet Samuel, I look after the heart. David is my king. He will be my king. He is a man who has a heart for God. He falls, he sins, he murders, he's adulterous, pump the brakes. So are we. David's life teaches us that even when we fall, we can still turn our hard, wicked hearts and give them back to God. Do it. It's ugly. It's brutal. But God wants you to be honest with him. God wants you to want Him. He wants you to want Him. He's not going to force you. He's not going to... He didn't make you into a robot. He's not going to. So, understand this. We are about to leave David. We could spend... I'm, it's working up in my heart. We're going to spend a year on David one of these decades. I don't know when that's going to be, but, but I need to move on because David is setting up a contrast with the next king, who is Solomon. Solomon is going to have all wisdom, all the answers. But David has God. And there's a good reason why Psalms and Proverbs are back-to-back -back in your Bible. I think we need to see that. I think we need to see the heart and the mind and the battle that each of us has to wage between knowing everything or just loving the right person. Between getting it all straight, being wise with our lives and good stewards, and there's a place for all that. But if our hearts are right, We'll have comfort even when we fall short. So warning. Don't have a heart to be wise and miss God himself. Don't, as we pursue wisdom, as we do financial peace in January of next year, we can use godly principles to get all your finances in order. And you can still be an idiot. You can do everything the book says to do. Everything Proverbs says to do. And still fail to see God. 
There's a lot of instruction there, a lot of good advice. You could take all the advice and never change right here. David is showing me change right here and then pursue the wisdom because it's a pursuit of God. And when you have God, God then reveals to you what you need as you need it. David is not worshiping God from far, and neither should we. Do not come to your Bible looking for answers. Write this down. Do not come to your Bible looking for answers. Come to your Bible looking for God. Then you'll find Him. Do not come to the Bible and say, God, show me how to live. Show me myself. Show me what you want me to do. No, no. God wants to show you who you need to be. Because once you are who He needs you to be, then you will do what He needs you to do. Oh, and by the way, He doesn't really need you. He can use anybody. He could use a donkey. <laughs> that gives me hope. If He could use a donkey, He can use Craig. Craig's. All of us. No matter how stubborn we are, no matter how much we mess up. We started with Psalm 23, and I want to end with Psalm 23. Psalm 23 was a psalm of presence. I can't unsee that anymore. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It's a psalm of presence. Because we are not intended to be a people who go to be with God when we die. No matter what you hear at a funeral, God is not more interested in your death than in your life. We are not a people who are primarily concerned with where we go when we die. God wants us to be with Him now. He wants us to live for Him now. He wants us to live like we have Him now. He wants us to live in His presence now. He wants us to be close with Him now, to know His heart now, to know His will now, for Him to rule and reign on earth now. May His kingdom come in you. That's the hope of glory. That's the great mystery. That's the great secret. Jesus is ruling and reigning right now. Is He? Am I living like it? Am I showing it? Am I or am I not like David? Or am I more like Saul or Solomon? We are meant to be a people who have God now, and that will change you. Last verse I'm going to reference is James 4.8. It's not in your notes, just a slide. James 4.8. The apostles knew this. Jesus' brothers knew this. And here's the secret formula. Draw near to God. Get your heart right first. And then He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. <laughs> That's a great sentence to write to a church. <laughs> if I'm ever like in another country and have to send you a message, that's going to start with that. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. I'm having a great day. I went and saw this monument today. And Purify your hearts, you wicked people. It's like, well, that, that's always true of all of us. We haven't arrived yet. 
But the emphasis here is, is, is God. When you do draw near to God, He will draw near to you and you're going to want to cleanse yourself. You're going to want to release your sin. If you don't have the... If you're always worrying about why do I desire all the wrong things, it's because you don't have the right thing. When you draw near to God, it makes you want to drop the wrong things. So spend more time seeking after God's face. Sometimes He makes it really easy. Sometimes He, he shows up in a psalm, in a song, in a moment, in a quick prayer. Sometimes God waits until you're serious about this. One prayer, nope. Two, God, I've been praying about this for three days. Uh, how bad do you want it? I want this healing so bad. Ah, I'm going to wait till you want me. See the difference? We call those petulant children who just want stuff from us. <laughs> We want our kids to want us, right? It's the same with God. He wants you to want Him. Stand with me. We're going to pray about that right now. We come to God through Jesus Christ. We come to God on His terms, not our terms. We come to God for Him, not for ourselves. Christianity is not about what you did yesterday. It's about whether or not God is in your life right this second. God, we come to you with open hearts and we say we need you. We don't always act like it, so forgive us for that. We don't always think of you, forgive us for that. Please turn our hearts to be more like David's and to see that we need you to be our, our shelter, our rock, our deliverer, our fortress, our refuge, our protector. We need you, God, to be everything for us. We need you with us. Come. God, come. We are seeking you every time we read your word. We are seeking you every time we come to church. We are seeking you every time we open up your Bible, every time we pray, with every meal that we bow our heads in front of God, we say, we are seeking your presence with us at every little moment. And we need it more. We cannot live this life without you. We come to you this morning, God, in the name of Jesus, who is our only hope. Change our hearts, change our minds, and teach us to pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Created me a clean heart. Oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. 
Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, O Lord. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, O Lord, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation, and renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Hope that's your prayer this week. Uh, those of you who are serving tonight, we'll meet at Central Christian Church at 4 o'clock. We need some people to help serve meals. Our benediction is from Psalm 28. Blessed be the Lord, for he has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts, and I am helped. My heart exults, and with my song I give thanks to him. The Lord is the strength of his people. He is the saving refuge of his anointed. Oh, save your people and bless your heritage. Be our shepherd and carry us forever. God bless you. Amen. Amen.